Chapter fifty nine of Saint Bonaventure's Life of Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ by Saint Bonaventure. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifty nine Our Lord's Supper the Night Before His Passion, and of Many Circumstances Relating to It when the time was come in which our lord jesus had disposed all things for the working of the salvation of his people and redeeming them not with corruptible gold or silver but with his most precious blood before he departed by death from his apostles he would first make them a memorable supper which might serve for a future token and might fulfill those mysteries which till then had not been fulfilled. This supper was truly magnificent, and the things great and wonderful which our Lord Jesus wrought at it for you, concerning which four things chiefly occur, which are most worthy your devout meditation. First, the supper itself. Secondly, his washing the feet of his disciples. Thirdly, the institution of the sacrament of his blessed body and blood. And fourthly, the composition of a sublime sermon by our Lord Jesus. All which we will treat of in their order. First, then, consider how Peter and John were sent by our Lord to a certain friend on Mount Sion, where there was a large room to prepare the supper or pasch. Our Lord himself, with the rest of his disciples, entered the city on Thursday, when the day was almost spent, and repaired to the same place. Behold him, then, pious reader, standing amidst the apostles, and discoursing on heavenly subjects, while, in the meantime, the Pasch was preparing by some of the seventy-two disciples. When all things were ready, the beloved St. John, who was most familiar with our Lord, and who was diligent in seeing that everything should be in order, came to him and said, Lord, when it pleaseth thee to sup, all things are ready. Wherefore our blessed Saviour with his twelve apostles went up, and John went also next to him, for there was none who loved him more truly, or that was more beloved by him in return. For, when our Lord was taken, John followed him when the rest of the disciples fled, and was present at his passion. Nor did he desert him either in his crucifixion, his death, nor even after his death, until his burial. At this supper also he sat next to him, although he was the youngest of the apostles. All having entered the small supper chamber, wash their hands, and, standing around it, devoutly bless the table. Consider them attentively in all these things. According to ancient usage, they sat on the ground around the table, which was placed thereon. Being composed of many boards joined together, its form is believed to have been squared. I saw it at Rome in the church of St. John Lateran, and I measured it. The length of each side is about two brachia and three palms, so that, although the space was small, three disciples are supposed to have sat at each side, 
and our lord jesus humbly at one corner by this circumstance all were enabled to eat out of the same dish and on this account it was that the disciples did not understand him when he said he that dippeth his hand into the dish with me shall betray me the table having been blessed by the hand of our lord they all took their seats round it and john sat next to jesus the paschal lamb was then brought to them and you may either suppose them to have received it sitting in the manner i have mentioned or to have eaten of it standing erect with their staves in their hands and thus fulfilling literally the precept of the law in this case however you must imagine them after an interval to have sat down again which may be known to have been the case from various passages in the gospel for in any other position john could not have reclined on our lord's breast the paschal lamb having then been brought in on a dish was received by the true and immaculate lamb of god our lord jesus who being in the midst of his disciples like a servant or steward cut it in pieces and offered it to them with alacrity kindly pressing and urging them to partake of it whilst they were thus engaged he declaring his mind to them more explicitly than he was wont said among other things with desire i have desired to eat this pasch with you before i suffer but yet behold the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table this sentence like the keen sword pierced their hearts they ceased eating and looking at one another full of surprise and consternation each one inquired anxiously lord is it i contemplate them then at this juncture and sympathize both with them and with our lord jesus for their affliction is great the traitor however in order to divert attention and suspicion from himself ceased not from his occupation but continued eating john then at the instigation of peter inquired of our saviour who was about to betray him on which our lord familiarly informed him as he would an intimate friend john astonished and stung to the heart by such perfidy turned towards him and reclined on his breast to peter however our lord did not communicate it because as saint augustine observes had he known the traitor he would have torn him to pieces with his teeth by peter are signified active and by john contemplative christians and from this fact you may learn that the latter although to all appearance unoccupied neither cease from their interior acts of devotion nor yet seek to have the offenders against their lord punished but internally lamenting the crime approaching more nearly and clinging more closely to god seek a refuge from affliction in his love and leave all things to the disposal of his divine providence after this our lord jesus arose from the table accompanied by his disciples who were ignorant of whither he wished to go he descended to a lower apartment in the same house as those who have seen the place suppose 
and there causing all of them to sit down he ordered water to be brought to him laid aside his garments girded himself with a towel and proceeded to wash their feet peter astonished at the proposal of an action which to him appeared so unbecoming positively refused to allow of its performance on himself but hearing the threat of christ that he should have no part in his glory if he permitted him not to do it he humbly consented and submitted to his divine pleasure here pious reader let us devoutly consider the humility of our lord jesus and be diligently attentive to all that follows it being a subject of great wonder and admiration for what a sight was it to behold the king of heaven and the lord of all majesty humbly stooping himself to and kneeling down at the feet of poor fishermen who were sitting to behold him washing their feet wiping them with a towel and devoutly kissing them and what much more exalts his humility is to behold him performing this mean office to judas the traitor who was to betray and sell him o oh, perverse and wicked wretch o oh, hard and cruel heart more hardened than stone and more impenetrable than the diamond which is neither moved at so much humility nor melted or become soft with the heat of such great charity and who trembleth not with fear at the presence of so great a majesty on his knees before you but on the contrary you persist still in your wicked design of betraying and seeking the destruction of him who is innocence itself and whose bounty and ineffable goodness you experience even to the last but woe to you o wretch who still remaining inflexible will infallibly bring forth what you have most execrably conceived and in the end not he but you shall perish it is undoubtedly a subject of great astonishment to consider the ineffable bounty and meekness of our lord jesus and to see the notorious obstinacy and malice of the wicked traitor judas when this ceremony was ended he again returned to the same place where he had supped where all being seated as before he began to exhort them all to imitate the example he had given them wherefore we may here contemplate how our lord jesus christ left us this night of his passion an example of five sublime virtues that is of humility as we have seen in his washing of his disciples feet of charity in the institution of the adorable sacrament of his body and blood and in the sermon he then made which is full of charitable admonitions of patience in bearing with his wicked traitor and suffering many reproaches when he was taken and led as a thief to judgment of obedience in going to suffer and meeting an opprobrious death to fulfill the will of his father and of prayer by praying three different times in the garden of gethsemane let us then endeavor to imitate him in these virtues 
and hence proceed to a consideration of the third point that is of the institution of the most adorable sacrament of the eucharist and in relation to this we cannot behold without astonishment that most beloved condescension and sublime charity with which he vouchsafed to give himself to us ordaining that sacrament as a means whereby he might leave us that divine and heavenly food of his sacred body and blood wherefore after he had washed his disciples feet to show them the ending of the sacrifices of the old law and the beginning of the new testament and to make himself our only true sacrifice he took bread into his blessed hands and lifting up his eyes to his heavenly father he blessed it and instituted the sacrament of his body and giving it to his disciples said take ye and eat for this is my body which shall be delivered for you and in the same manner he took the chalice and said drink ye all of this for this is my blood which shall be shed for you and for many in the remission of sins here christian reader attentively consider how devoutly how diligently and how truly our blessed lord jesus changed the substance of the bread into his precious body and afterwards with his own blessed hands distributed it himself to that beloved and holy company enjoining them to keep it as a memorial of his love saying do this in remembrance of me this is that sweet and precious memorial which renders man's soul most grateful and pleasing to god as often as it is worthily received and therefore the consideration of this most excellent gift of love ought to inflame our souls with love and wholly transform us into the giver for what could he have given us more dear more sweet and more precious than himself he whom we receive in the sacrament of the altar is the selfsame son of god christ jesus that took flesh and blood and was born of the virgin mary and suffered death on the cross for us rose the third day from death to life ascended into heaven sitteth at the right hand of the father and shall come again at the last day to judge both the living and the dead in whose power is both life and death who made both heaven and hell and finally who can either reward us with the joys of the one or punish us with the eternal pains of the other he the self-same god and man is contained in that small host in the form of bread which is daily offered to god the father he is our lord jesus christ son of the eternal and living god touching the fourth and last point to be considered let us now behold how this sovereign master after this institution made to his disciples a most beautiful sermon full of heavenly sweetness and of divine love and charity for having given to them that blessed sacrament and amongst the rest also to the wicked traitor judas he said to him that which thou doest 
too quickly. John chapter 13 And immediately that accursed monster went to the chief priests, to whom he had sold him on the Wednesday before, and asked them for help to apprehend and take him. In the meantime he made the said sermon, which he preached to his disciples, giving them his peace, and chiefly recommended to them three principal virtues above all others, that is, faith, hope, and charity. On charity he expressed himself in these words, saying, I give you a new commandment, which is that you love one another. For by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. And again, if you love me, and keep my commandments. And whosoever loveth me, and keepeth my sayings, then shall my father love him, and we will come to him, and dwell with him. And in many other places he particularly recommended to them this charity as a worthy legacy, which he would now bequeath to them in his last will and testament. Secondly, he established them in faith, and confirmed them more strongly in the belief of his divinity, saying, Let not your hearts be troubled, and fear ye not. As ye have believed in God, so believe in me also. Further showing them that the Father and he were one, and that though as man he was less than his Father, yet he was equal with him as he was God. And therefore he reprehended Philip, who asked him to show them the Father, saying, That he who saw him saw the Father. And in the conclusion of this point he said, If ye believe not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, yet at least believe me for the works that ye have seen me do, because no other could do the works which I have done. Thirdly, he comforted them in hope many ways. And first, as to the effects of prayer, he said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, whatever ye ask, it shall be given you. Again, he armed them in regard to all manner of tribulation and the contempt of the world, saying, If the world hate ye, you know that it hated me before you, thus comforting their hope with patience in time of persecution by his own example, who was their Lord and Master. Lastly, he fortified them, lest they should despair by reason of his leaving them, telling them that they should conceive great sorrow for his absence for a short time in regard to the death he was to suffer, but that afterwards that sorrow should be changed into unspeakable joy by means of his glorious resurrection from death and his ascension to his Father, and by the coming of the Holy Ghost, whom he would send to comfort them in all their afflictions, and teach them all truth. And he concluded with these words, saying, All this I have spoken to you, that ye might have peace in me. In the world you shall suffer much sorrow and affliction, but be of good heart, 
for i have overcome the world which was the same as to say and so shall you through my grace after this our lord jesus lifting up his eyes towards heaven and addressing himself to his father said father keep them whom thou hast given me when i was with them i kept them but now i come to thee holy father for them do i pray not for the world and not for them only do i pray but for them also that by their word shall believe in me father whom thou hast given me i will that where i am they also may be with me that they may see my glory these with many other things most moving and piercing he spoke in the presence of his disciples and it is certainly surprising to imagine how they who loved him so tenderly could possibly bear to hear them without melting with grief and sorrow and doubtless whoever hath grace deeply to examine and dwell by devout meditation upon the sweet doctrine of our lord and saviour cannot but be inwardly kindled with his divine love in beholding such great charity benignity goodness and other things he was pleased to show this night of his sacred passion consider him while he speaks behold in how affable devout and effectual a manner he imprints on the hearts of his disciples all he relates to them and in some measure feeds their souls with the pleasing aspect of his divine countenance consider likewise the disciples how sorrowful they stand to hear him hanging down their heads fetching deep sighs and bitterly weeping being full of extreme sorrow and affliction as christ himself bears witness saying because i have spoken these things sorrow hath filled your hearts and among the rest consider saint john who above all was most familiar with our blessed lord how attentively he beholds his beloved master and with a most tender anxiety takes particular notice of every word he says at length among other things which he spoke he said to them arise let us go hence oh what fear may we not well imagine did then seize their hearts not knowing as yet whither or in what he would go believing that the time was now come in which they were to be separated from him they arose however and followed each striving which should be nearest to him and all flocking round him as her chickens around the hen they crowded in upon him first one and then another through the earnest desire they had of being near him and hearing his divine doctrine all which he with great patience and benignity suffered them to do at last having ended what he had to say to them he brought them unto a garden on the other side of the brook cedron and there fixing himself in prayer he waited for judas the traitor and the rest that were to apprehend him as we shall see in that which follows of his passion 
End of chapter 59